This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the pre-championship playoff final interview with Besotted and Fulhamish. And we recorded it down the Wembley Way, outside Wembley Stadium. They even had a match going on at the time, featuring myself, Billy Grant, and also Sammy James and Jack Collins from Fulhamish. If you want to check out the full Besotted Pride of West London pre-championship playoff final podcast, check it out on prideofwest.london and it's got a snippet of this little podcast on there too. So sitting here in the sunshine... I've got the Wembley Arc on my back here. I'm actually sitting on Wembley Way in a bar, having a beer. Zero percent alcohol still because it's, a, it's still the tradition. Until, until, until it's all over, I'm thinking I need to stick to the tradition. And I'm too scared to actually have another beer after I had them, two beers after the, the Stoke and Barnsley game. And I'm sitting here with my chums from Fulhamish. I've got Sammy and I've got Jack from Fulhamish. How are you doing, lads? Very good, Billy. Always nice to be on Besotted and... It's come down to it, hasn't it? It's come down to this. And we've I've been on here plenty of times before and no other game comes close, really, does it? No other game comes close. Jack, how are you? Yeah, it was. It felt like written in the stars, didn't it, in the end, Bill? It very came to it and you were like, well, yeah, this was always going to happen. And, you know, we've given you so much grief about it's been your cup final. It's actually a cup final now, isn't it? We finally got to a cup final. I would like to think it's actually your cup final. It's everyone's cup final, Bill. Yes, and you're trying to palm it over here because, you know, you've been giving us so much grief about cup final, but you know that this is a big game for you. And if anything, I would say that, of course, we don't want to lose. But I think that if it comes to a losing, a lose-off... It's probably worse if you lost to us than if we lost to you, don't you think? No, I disagree. I think it's just a, it's a 50-50. One team goes up and, and look, we, we can discuss it all, and I'm sure we will come on to it later, but I actually don't think this Fulham team gets massively broken up if we lose this game. We'll lose a couple of players, I think, but I actually think a lot of these people would stay for another stint in the Championship. And I know that the model you've got going on across the way is... Um, means that players get replaced and, and it means that people get improved and whatever. But I actually think that another crack in the championship with Fulham, if this was Fulham-Swansea, I'd be like really not fussed about losing this game. I'm only fussed about losing it because it's you lot. 
<laughs> Listen, Sammy, I mean, we, we chat a lot. We chat, you know, every few days as it is. But we had a sort of a good old chat at the beginning of, or oh, when we came out of lockdown as well. We were both on the TV on Sky together as well. Yeah. And it was a bit of a strange scenario because we both came out of lockdown at that stage having no idea what was going to go on, you know. There's a bit of bravado, yeah, we're going to beat Fulham. You're a bit bravado, yeah, we're going to beat Brentford. But we didn't really know. I mean, what were you expecting at that point? And looking back on it, is it a little bit bizarre? I don't know why, but I, th- I thought I thought if Brentford and Fulham met, it was going to be in a semi-final. And I don't know why I thought that would be the case. I maybe just thought it was... Surely, you don't, surely we don't play Brentford in a final. Surely there's too much that can go wrong. Obviously, after that game... Well, not after that game, but after the Leeds game that we lost, that followed the match that we were defeated by you guys. You lost 3-0, didn't you? Lost 3-0 to Leeds. We honestly spoke about whether we'd make the playoffs at that point. And I'll never forget, you sent me, sent me a text saying... Uh, who do you play if you come sixth? Who do you play if you come sixth? <laughs> Cheeky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I was only asking the question. I was doing, I was doing the research, you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah, my due sure diligence. <laughs> sure you were, Bill. I, I can't believe it. And... Um, we, we spoke about it on our podcast. I did a bit of research to try and find the last derby in a championship playoff final. I couldn't find one since the 90s, which was Derby Leicester, which isn't, it is East Midlands, but it's not a real fiery. Fake, fake derby. It's not a fiery derby. This doesn't happen very often in the most expensive game of football in the world. So much on the, on the line and, it, and it's us two together and... There's so much at stake. Of course, it's the football clubs and the trajectories and who, which players stay, which players go. But from a, from a fan point of view, neither of us will live this down if we win. Neither of us. And we will never let you forget it if we win. And I can bet you, you guys will do the same if you do. And, and, and we came at that a little bit later because I, you know, I've got I've got a theory here saying I think it's probably better if we were to lose it or you if you were to lose it if fans weren't in the stadium because there's nothing worse than being in the stadium and hearing bees up Fulham down when you were losing, you know, and the same thing for us, like you know, what I'm saying you you lost in your cup final, whatever you want to yeah. sing to us, you know, what I'm saying. So I think that you know, just I'm always trying to put a bright side on us actually not being inside this this wonderful stadium which is behind us now, Jack as well now. Um, I spoke to you at the beginning of the season as well and we got you on the podcast after that game where you'd beaten us 1-0 and to be fair it wasn't very nice of me to have got you on because you weren't you were really not in the mood but to be fair you were very professional and you came on board but you were properly shell-shocked though weren't you and you uh, even though you, you I think you held up a bit of a brave face you kind of like just didn't kind of know where to go from there at that time I think you know I spoke to you quite a, quite a lot of length about how that that game was decided by two different managerial approaches and how Thomas Frank changed the game in his favour and Scott Parker just didn't have, at the time, the capacity to do so. Um, it felt, after we lost those two games, and, and you know, Sammy's just touched on it, that we were like, all right, we might finish seventh here. And uh, the only thing I would say about this is, given the way that this season has panned out and, and with the lockdown and the pandemic and all of these things, it all doesn't. it all feels a little bit unreal I would suggest so you know things don't necessarily feel normal and they won't for a while yet I would imagine. you know it's easy to forget that Fulham have half a stadium at the moment because it's being rebuilt I didn't think this year that we would be ready to go back up to the Premier League I still think that this squad would need a hell of a lot of improvement if it if it was to be promoted and so I think that at that point it was like right we might finish seventh and everyone was like kind of okay with that you know I'm, I'm kind of like right we might need another year to reset rebuild this whole thing and make it sing now that we're in this position things are very different right you know it's all well and good saying that if you're like i'm gonna finish seventh 
and then you get to a playoff final, you're not like, oh, it was fine because we thought we were going to finish seventh. It doesn't change the fact that you're here and you need to win this 90-minute game of football to get to the Premier League. And I think given the way that that game panned out and the fact that it was very tight, very even for 70 minutes, and then you made the game work in your favour and, and credit to Thomas Frank for that because it was, it was good managerial decisions and, and Miliano came on and changed the game. Um, but I, I think it might be similar this time round, and I hope that the the first 70 minutes, and you know, we hit the bar. We had Mitro goal disallowed for offside. We you know had a couple of headers straight at David Rea. There was capacity for them to win that game. I think this is going to be more even than maybe the stats might suggest. We talked about different managerial thoughts and 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 and, and you know insights into the game. I mean, I've been listening to you guys over the season, um, <laughs> toing and froing about Scott Parker. Sometimes you love him, sometimes you hate him. You know, Fulham legend, not quite sure. Does he know his best team? Does he Does he know have a plan B? You know, all these things are coming out here. Um, as you said, two or three games into lockdown, there's a bit of a struggle, you thought. But now you've actually come into the final. You're doing all right. What's your thoughts on Parker now? Parker keeps improving during the season. He Because he's so young, he's so raw... And he's still learning his craft as a manager. It's it's funny. It, it, he obviously doesn't listen to Fulhamish or, or get any glean anything from us. But just generally, we'll say something on the podcast one week where we'll be like, I don't know, why does Parker insist with playing such and such a player on the right wing? And next week, he kind of he realizes his mistake and 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 changes that. Slav didn't do that. Ranieri didn't do that. And lots of managers before. Whereas Parker is clearly working it out as he goes a little bit but actually in the last seven games he just seems to have found a little bit of a style it's a bit more attritional than when he used to it's still a lot of possession but it's actually a way of seeing out games that I've not seen from many teams let alone Fulham in a long time we seem to go 1-0 in the lead or have a one goal lead and we're just able to hold on and Parker's built that and and actually I ha- one thing I have said, whilst I don't know if Parker's the right man for Fulham, I have said all season long, if we got promoted with Parker, I think he'd keep us in the Prem. And I don't think it would be exciting at all. I think it would be 1-0 wins over Burnley, really holding on. It wouldn't be pretty in the slightest, but actually it might be a slightly more effective way of staying in the Prem than the last time we went up where it was all swashbuckling. Slav tried to play Liverpool off the park and clearly we didn't have the players to do that if we don't win on Tuesday I'd say Parker's future is in real jeopardy because I th- I, th- I think the Khans will have a big decision to make and he'll have had an objective and ultimately he'll have failed so there's a lot on the line for Parker on Tuesday and I in my heart of hearts I think if we don't win on Tuesday he's not in a job come the end of the week this is a personal opinion can I just say that it's just what I think would happen not necessarily what I think should happen you, you stick with him oh. now that's a debate but I don't think it's as black and white as I think the Khans will be which is ruthless you had a, char- you had a task to get us to the Premier League you ultimately didn't meet it and that's where the pressure is on for this Fulham team for the fans yeah we quite like the championship and and a lot of fans don't want to be in the Premier League this game has just taken on significance kind of as Jack said because it's you guys <laughs> okay so I mean talking about the fans I mean we're sitting here so we kind of getting our Wembley fixed a bit early you know we're sitting outside we're having a few beers 
outside the bars here. You know, there isn't a stream of, you know, black and white and red and white coming down the Wembley Way, which it should be. You know, I'm probably going to go up there and I'm probably going to have a look at the Bobby Moore statue a little bit later, probably put a little red and white scarf on there and everything like that, just to try and do the, the pre-Wembley tradition that that one would do. But there's definitely something missing. And even though we're talking about the rivalry and you're not going to live it down, it's, it isn't the same. What about the players on the pitch? No. Do you think that they will treat it the same way? Or do you think, to be quite honest with you, tell you something, leave them fans at home because we're just going to do our job. Um, I, I think that little spice between the players might be lost in, if there wasn't 90,000 West Londoners kind of going at each other for, for 90 minutes plus of, of the game. I, I think maybe that spice in the ground will be gone. Yeah, we saw an FA Cup final yesterday between Arsenal and Chelsea. That's always a feisty affair. And okay, yes, Kovacic got sent off. He shouldn't have been. Wasn't re- didn't really have that spice that an Arsenal Chelsea FA Cup final maybe should do. I think there'll be ten percent less. But of course, the players will be desperate to win for their own personal pride and future. And whilst they'll they'll say they can feel the support of the fans from home. It's, it's never quite the same as us being in the stadium. And, and, and maybe it takes the edge off the pain if one of us loses. I, and I think you're right on that one, Bill. I think if we were all in the stadium and we lost, there would be no worse place to be at full time than Wembley Stadium. And, and we'd feel that impact much more, the taunts of, of either opposition fans kind of goading one another. It will be slightly diminished because we're not in the stadium. I, I do agree on that and I don't know if that's a saving grace but of course if you were the team that won you'd feel like you'd have that taken away from you that that, that opportunity to live in the moment and gloat and, and be victorious especially for us I mean we've and again I'm touching wood here because obviously we've not won we've won, lost eight out of eight playoffs and this game is a one-off so we'll have to see how it goes but my my belief is that you know Ollie Watkins was you know you know the last time of the playoffs I don't know if he was 12 or 8 or something like that and you know when we lost in 2002 against Stoke he was just about born so you can't really kind of uh, take that history and say oh my god this team here is 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 the same as the team that just didn't do something with Steve Coppel or with Martin Allen or with you know whoever it was you know I can't remember it was uh, in 2013 was it Uwe Rosler was it uh, yeah yeah, Uwe Rosler yeah that's right yeah I mean yeah so you just can't do that but as a fan because we are quite illogical in the way that we look at things because we're totally passionate we can't get it out of our heads and we'll think actually the state it's a one-off game you know, coming talking about the game though, I mean, you guys, we played each other. It was a tight game. We nicked it in the end, as you said a bit earlier, with the two late goals. Um, but you've got some proper, you know, you've got some players in your side, man. You know, there's no two ways about it. You know, um, obviously Mitro is a player that you know everyone knows about. You know, there's also Harrison Reed, who's a, a newer player as far as we're concerned, who's popped out, who people are a little bit worried about if he's on his game, he can cause us problems. Who out there? is going to cause the bees a few issues. Well, I mean, you've, you've, you've touched on the big two, I think. Um, Niskan's Cabano has come in the last couple of games have been excellent, potentially injury worries there. But on the whole, I think there's something that to kind of to touch on here. And it's kind of a more general point. But, we, you know, those games are tight. And they're often decided by mistakes or moments of madness or moments of absolute individual brilliance. And Fulham have players... In the like, in the ilk of kind of Anthony Knockart, Ivan Cavallero, and, and in the same way that you do with with the likes of Sai Ben Rama and, and Mboimo, who are, are capable of just moments where they're just like, how on earth have you done that? I think with us, like we've been really frustrated with Cavallero, with with Knockart in particular, because he kind of hasn't really brought that to the table as as much as we kind of expected him to. 
But there's also the point that Knockout, I think, will start in the playoff final. Scott trusts him on the right wing. His work rate's exceptional. He is also capable of just cutting inside and bending one into the top bin from, from 30 yards. He hasn't done it enough. <laughs> from a Fulham perspective this season, he's quite selfish on the ball. He shoots occasionally when he shouldn't, etc., etc. But he's definitely capable of doing that. And I think it's, like, it's quite an interesting one because the, the players that are... You know, you would have looked at the start of the season, the knockouts, the Cavaleros, Tom Kearney, haven't delivered in the final third, perhaps, as much as we'd have expected to in the in the start of the year. And, you know, I know people who had got bets on Fulham scoring 100 goals in the league this season. You know, they've been not only bitterly disappointed, but, but actually just like, we haven't scored that many goals at all. Uh, but we have the players who have the capacity to do that. Even the likes of Harry Arter, who... You know, has scored three absolute screamers for Fulham this season. You're a bit like, oh, okay. At some point, Harry Arter is capable of unleashing from 30 yards. And what I do think is that this is a game for big players. And uh, it's going to have to be for, for both sides. I am kind of of the opinion that we might see Anthony Knockart just cut inside and bend one top in. I just have a thing about this that he, he has been he, rubbish. He does like to he does like to shoot from uh he doesn't like to shoot from in the box, does he? No, hates shooting in the box, hates passing to teammates. <laughs> 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 loves shooting at other players. But yeah, it, it, that's what I would say that you know, Harrison Reed has been our best player I think this season when he's been in the side. He's been an absolute dynamo in the middle. I know he, it's uh in, in TWA he's been compared to, to Ryan Woods um not just for his hair colour but for his industry, his work rate and, and the ability to recover the the ball in midfield he's so crucial to to the way that Fulham operate because without him covering all that ground in the in the middle we, we lose you know 70% of the earth is covered by water the other 30% is covered by Harrison Reed on match days um, but it is one of those things where if if Harrison Reed's on form and he, he's winning he's winning the ball back all over the park Fulham click much better because we get the ball out wide we get the ball into Mitrovic to create opportunities and we start to to look like a genuine attacking threat I think if you look at the second half of that first leg against Cardiff, when Fulham started to dominate the ball and really sort of like play the, the cottage carousel, if you will, um, it is when Fulham do start to do that, we, we can really dominate games. I'm not sure it's going to go like that because we're, we're two possession-heavy sides who, who like to have the ball and like to try and dictate the tempo of a game in a way that Cardiff perhaps are not. But there are players all over this park who, in the right vein of form, can, can hurt Brentford in, in the same way that Brentford have a lot of players the front six in particular who can hurt Fulham it's interesting because you say first of all there's a couple of words you said in their right vein of form which is always the key you know if, if players have basically you know put in front of goal and they score you know put the ball in the back of the net they're going to score but you need that situation to, ha- to happen Fulham as you know, I mean, you, you spoke a lot about Mitrovic. You know, you know uh, Harrison Reed getting the ball up to Mitro and doing the right type of things. But there is a big question mark about him. He's not yeah. played in the last two matches. The, you know, the, 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 the reality is, you know, I mean, I was asking the question whether or not, you know, the Cardiff game, because you were 2-0 up away to Cardiff. You know, Parker might have thought, tell you something, we're done and dusted here. We don't need Mitro. Let him rest up for another week and we'll definitely add him back for the final. But also, that's you know, it's a bit strange to not even have him on the bench. You know, one of those options, yeah, so... If Mitro's not playing, and he's scored pretty much 50% of your goals, mm-hmm. right? So if he's missing, you've got a 50% missing. Okay, that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody else can't come in and score goals. But then it does tail off quite a bit. Also, you've got Niskins Cabano as well, who has been injured. Now, okay, he might come back next Tuesday as well. So he's, you know, so he's injured as well. So all of a sudden, if you've got these two out of the picture for you, what are your options? Are you still confident as you were when you were just talking then? I think it will. Uh, yeah, I am confident. Um, 
because Fulham do fortunately have quite a few options. I'm less confident of the bench. If you don't have uh, Mitrovic and you don't have Cabano, there's not loads left off the bench in order to change the game if something goes wrong. But yeah, you can swap Cabano out for Cavalero. You can definitely swap out Mitrovic um, for, for Abubakar Kamara, who fortunately is back and fit and played very, very well on Thursday against Cardiff. And, and there's Bobby Reed, who's kind of this ambidextrous player who can play all across the attack, left, right, centre, number 10. Can, can I just say something about Reed, OK? I mean, I remember Bobby Reed when he played for, for Bristol City. The, the geezer was properly on fire. And then you signed him, you, you've destroyed him. And I'm not saying this in a horrible way, but you've, he's not anywhere near the player that I remember him at Bristol City. He really, he was fantastic at Bristol City. And when I see him now, and maybe, again, I'm touching wood, I hope he doesn't do, you know, all of a sudden come on fire on, on Tuesday night. But he's, 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 a, he's a shadow of the player that I've seen him before. So Bobby Reid's a really interesting case because he came through as a centre midfielder, as a kind of number eight. And then... At some point, Bristol City basically injured all their strikers and they were like, oh, should we just stick Bobby Reid up top? And he went up top and just started scoring goals. And everyone was like, right, sound, he's now a number nine. Fulham signed him, I think, as a... Look, Fulham have a little bit of... And not in the same you know, league, so I'm not, I'm not comparing Harry Kane to, to Alexander Mitrovic. But we have that kind of same Kane conundrum that Tottenham have, isn't it? It's very difficult to buy a striker who... who isn't going to play, you know, because when Mitrovic is fit, Mitrovic leads the line, full stop, end off. So Fulham needed to have someone who could fill in the nine role if they needed, but actually was able to play in other positions if they were going to get game time. And I think that's what we got with Bobby Reid. We converted him back to an eight. And, and you've seen him in the last couple of games playing as the nine with Mitrovic injured, but it's like having a false nine. He doesn't play the, the nine role like he used to. He doesn't sit on the shoulder. He doesn't make runs in behind. He drops deep, gets the ball and connects the, uh, the way that Fulham play. And I actually think that he is, his goal-scoring record's been, been poor, we'll be honest. He's, he's been unlucky on numerous occasions. That, you know, his XG is far higher than his actual goal output. Um, but on top of that, I, I think we've, we've, we've developed it into a... Or, or redeveloped him, should we say, into a kind of Swiss army knife. He plays off the left, he plays in the middle, he plays eight, he can play nine, he can play off the right. He has become this kind of player that can fit anywhere we are. And I think you need players like that, players who are able to, to deputise in various positions. Something I would say on, on Bobby Reid is that I think if Alexander Mitrovic is missing on Tuesday night, we will play Abubakar Kamara through the middle. OK, so, and, and talking about your form, you've drawn Wigan. You've drawn West Brom. You lost against us, you lost against Leeds, and then obviously you lost against Cardiff in the player final. But you know, other than that, semi final, sorry. Uh, I'm always thinking the Southern final, like they used to do in the sort of in the, the was it the Sherpa Van Trophy or whatever it was, like, you know? Yeah, one of the cups that we always used to be in every, every year. Um, and then but you won all the other matches because we, it's interesting because when you start to, you know, the back end, all of a sudden you, you, you went on a, on a right run, and the word out the, the Brentford camp was, whoa looks like Fulham have picked up form at the right time. Is that how you're seeing it as well? Uh, going into this game, definitely. I would discount the defeat against Cardiff as, as, a, as a form buster because we, we, did reached, what we, we did what we needed to do and we reached Wembley and everyone was on the pitch celebrating after the game. Clearly the first leg was where we actually turned on the style and won that match and hey, I would have loved to have done it way more comfortably than we did on Thursday night. And I'm sure the players were a bit disappointed how it happened. But when you play a Cardiff side like that, that throw in throw-ins and, and corners and long balls into the situation, 
it's kind of the game that was a, a bit inevitable to happen. We're definitely in good form going into this and the confidence is high. Wigan draw on the last game of the season. We may have been in the conversation for that top two finish on the last day, but we never, re- we never really were, um, in, in all honesty, because it literally, West Brom had to lose, not just draw, had to lose for us to get into the top two, and Wigan were fighting relegation. It was not the easiest sin- scenario for us. There's definitely some form going into this, and particularly defensively as well. We kind of capitulated against you guys. We capitulated against Leeds. Apart from maybe the second half of Sheffield Wednesday when we were really far in the lead and we then decided to throw a few stupid goals away, we haven't capitulated against many teams and that will give us confidence, particularly if we go into the lead. We can hold you out here. That will be the thing that I'm hoping Scott Parker will feel um, positive about. And there's a few games in there as well where we couldn't afford to lose. We couldn't afford to lose against Birmingham. We won it in the last minute. I couldn't afford to lose against Sheffield Wednesday and, and we held on for, for a pretty important victory. There's lots of games in there actually. The pressure has been on and, and particularly the Forest game as well where we went up there and won 1-0 and that really felt like a must not lose because you'd have, we'd have really been in you know, the problems that Forest found themselves in. They're not even in the bloody playoffs. So we are coming through the pressure games ever since those two wobbles at the start of lockdown against yourselves in Leeds. And it's interesting, I'll put a little word out to see if there's any questions for you. And I'm going to have to be honest with you, like no one came up with anything remotely sensible. They were all sponge cake sort of related questions that (laughs) I I want to hear the stupid, what stupid questions have Brentford got for us? Is it from Dave Lake? Listen, listen, I'll I'll see if I can find them in in a little bit and I'll come back to you as well. Sorry, Bill, I just got a bit distracted because there's literally a a wasp in my side that I very nearly actually swallowed hold while you asked that question. But yeah. Um, bad omens all over yeah, I, I, I certainly can give you a few opinions on sponge cake if you uh, if you deliver to them to me. Okay, in a minute. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to you on that one in a minute as well, Sammy. Um, but just coming back to the game itself, I mean, l- listen, I know, I know, yeah. Sponge cake. <laughs> we'll, we'll do the sponge cake and do it. Listen, um, you talked about you are very good at protecting the lead, okay, and stealing the ball from the opposition. You know, direct free cricks. You shoot from direct free kicks, very good at that as well, creating chances through individual skill. Basically, you've got skillful players. I'm just trying to work out, you know, but your weaknesses, you know, aerial in the air. I mean, I know Hector is coming in to uh, to sort of alleviate that, but still, it's not your main strength as well. You know, you still create errors, pretty much like what we do as well. Like, you know, you've got skillful players, but you lose the ball a lot in midfield. And defending counter-attacks, though, that's your big, big fear. And I know that a lot of Fulham fans... Are saying this is our fear about Brentford because you see the way that we operate. We tried soak, 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 bang, hit you on the break. I think for the Swansea game, that goal was from goalkeeper Raya to the back of the net, 14 seconds, and that's how we operate really quickly. And one thing that I noticed when we played you up at the at the game at Craven Cottage at the beginning of our, our at the end of lockdown is I remember us breaking really quickly, but whenever you got the ball, you did that kind of slow, controlled passing out from the back thing, which is cool. And it works, I suppose, if you can pass it into the back of the net. But that's kind of what we used to do a couple of seasons ago where we literally tried to pass the ball in the back of the net and we didn't quite manage to do it. So with Fulham, I mean, what are you saying about those strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really interesting tactical point. It is, it is the battle as far as I'm concerned. And it's so interesting now to see how this pans out. And look, I'm, I know that we, we talked earlier about the way that you set up at Stoke and it looked like you were going to contain and contain and contain and then try and get on the break, right? And it didn't kind of pay off because, you know, this team is that your team, I would suggest, is actually better with the handbrake off 
than it is trying to hit people on the break. And yet, it's potentially where Fulham have their biggest weakness. So, the question is, does Thomas Frank go for it? And does he try, you know, let loose in midfield, start Emiliano in there and have it as a more kind of like, right, we're absolutely going full throttle for you and that's it. Or does he sit a little bit deeper and and try and hit Fulham in a place where they're weak? I, I'm not... You know, Wiley, so we, we didn't see that much, uh, you know, like you said, we slowed the game down, I think, at the cottage. It suits us having the game slow because what we do is we slow, 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 and then we carve a charge for Mitrovic. If if Mitrovic isn't playing, I think you'll see a different Fulham that will, will press higher, that will, will kind of put you under a little bit more pressure at the back um, because, you know, Mitrovic is, like you said, 50% of our goals. He, he's so crucial. If Mitrovic is fit, Mitrovic starts full stop, end off conversation with Fulham. But without him, and our record without him is is very decent you know I think six games uh, six wins one draw one defeat and there was the Cardiff game which we've already written kind of off as uh, that's that's not bad as they go and I think that we play a lot higher up and a lot uh, the tempo increases because when Mitrovic plays you play to Mitrovic's strengths which aren't pace and, and, and pressing they are get the ball in the air for Mitrovic and let him try to get to it and let it stick to him a little bit more so that's I think the, the big tactical battle and, and look I think we are susceptible to counter-attacks. I don't think we'd be as as foolhardy as Swansea were. You know, every single man is dog in the middle and, and just letting Ollie Watkins wander through for a, for a you know, pretty much unchallenged stuff in. He's a tricky character, though, isn't he? No, he's a... Yeah, he's quality, and there's a, there's a reason that the, the two top scorers in the championship are going head to head here. They're both excellent footballers who are Premier League calibre. That, that, that's what it is at the end of the day. Um, but I don't think we will be committing as many people forward to counter attacks to, to allow that kind of thing. Yes, you can't counter for 14 seconds from end to end. I completely agree. But I don't think we would have quite as many uh, heads in the opposition box, shall we say. Talk about heads, uh, Scott Parker versus Thomas Frank. I mean, do you think Scott Parker and Thomas Frank are going to get into a fight on Tuesday night? Because, uh, yeah, a few, a few managers were getting a bit punchy with Thomas and getting a bit annoyed with him. Do you think, and Scott Parker sometimes looks quite sullen. And I don't know if he's angry or if he's just sad or if he just doesn't know what's going on. And uh, with Thomas, he's quite bouncy and he's quite confident. Do you think that they might get into a bit of a, bit of a punch up? Not not with one of Parker's lovely suits. He's not going to he's not going to risk that getting that getting that, especially his cup final suit as well. Um, it's a really interesting battle, Frank versus Parker. Two fairly inexperienced managers going head to head, and we've 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 had our things with Parker this season, and, and I kind of touched on it earlier. Whereas I honestly don't know if he lasts to next season if he loses on on Tuesday. Um, and I would definitely feel sorry for Parker if that were the case. I imagine in Frank's press conference tomorrow, he's going to be quite bullish. It worked against Swansea. I don't see why he wouldn't try it again. I imagine Parker will be a bit more downbeat. He'll be much more like, if we play our football, then then, then the result will come kind of thing that we, that we often hear from Parker. I must admit, I thought Parker spoke really well after the Cardiff game. It was maybe the first time that I feel like Fulham fans had really seen Parker just be brutally honest about about things and maybe that's easy when you've won 2-0 and played a brilliant game away from oh, the first part of the game that is yeah he really spoke well after that match and I think a few Fulham fans kind of raised a few eyebrows after that and thought geez actually Parker actually comes across brilliantly here and, and I don't know whether maybe someone's given him a bit of media training or whether he's just kind of <coughs> grown into the role but 
I, I honestly think it will be a massive battle between the two and I think it's like it is all over the pitch and there's lots of very similar players Janssen Pinnock versus Ream and Hector two two great centre-back pairings I think on the sidelines I think I think Parker and Frank are two managers with big futures in the game and and again it will be a really interesting battle and, it, and it's hard to call it at this stage because I think it's so 50-50 I honestly think that Parker looks angry a lot of the time on the sideline because he's just like I would have two-footed that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but say that I just—I thought that Parker looked really. Um, I thought that not only Parker but the whole Fulham team looked shell-shocked after the Cardiff game, and they just—they didn't—they you know they got to the playoff final and they looked gutted. And I heard, also heard that Joby McEnough, who was a teammate of uh, of Hector. At, full, uh, at, at Reading as well he spoke to him afterwards and he said we were gutted men and the team was on a real downer and I, I thought that was quite really strange you know you just got to the player final and everyone was on a on, on a slump business as usual for us Bill um, but no I, I really do think that that was a I think it was a a reasoned and, and I think it was intentional is what I'm trying to get out there I think that it was one of those things where Parker was like right the job isn't done because the last time that Fulham got to a playoff final we beat Derby, there was the pitch invasion, celebrations in the changing room, a lot of champagne being sprayed, and there was a lot of chat, like, oh, Fulham think they've won it. Fulham think they've won it already. And I think that this time it was, given the different circumstances, obviously there's no fans, there's, there's that thing, and I think it would have been different with fans there because it would have been the elation of getting to the full-time whistle. But because Fulham were like, we didn't want to make it this difficult, we've made it more difficult than we needed to, it was a bit like, we weren't good enough there, if we're going to win this on Tuesday, we need to be better than we have been in this game against Cardiff. I think Scott's done that intentionally to be like, right, that's not going to get us to the Premier League. What will get us to the Premier League is playing like we did in the first leg. When you saw the celebrations after what, and Neil Harris came out and was like, Fulham celebrating like they've won the tie. You know, I think, you know, if you see, if we'd played like that again and we'd had that, I think you would have seen elation, that joy. But Parker, I think, was part of like, right, you play like that on Tuesday, you're fucked. Like, that's it. Simple as that. You'll lose the game if you play like you did on against Cardiff, against Brentford. You won't, you won't win that game. And so I think it was a statement of being like, right, yes, we've got there. The job is one, only half done in terms of there's a 90-minute game you need to win now to, if you want to make this you know, a, a full kind of completion job. And it's one of those things where you're like, right, if we play like that, we can't do it. So it has to be better than that to make it happen. So the important question now, Scary Carey, I mean, he asked, like, when making a Victoria sponge, yes. do you have the cream above or below the jam? Oh, see, that's such a hard question, Scary Carey. I would say you have the cream above the jam. I think, I think it's easier to spread the jam on first onto the sponge base and then to get the cream on top. Certainly if I have a, a scone, I'll say it in the posh way because I'm a Fulham fan, then I do have my cream above my jam. So I would definitely, if, if, if you're baking a cake um, for the playoff final, Kerry, I would definitely put jam on first, then cream on top. I don't know if Jack agrees though. That's quite a controversial opinion to put jam below. Indeed. And Laney's also asked, have you ordered your special rosé for the evening with your caterers, just in case? <laughs> Uh, this is actually one for Sammy. Um, I, I'm more of a bubbles kind of geezer. Uh, not a rosé drinker myself. I think if I was at home, I might have a bottle of like Porter Six red wine or something in a, in a fancy glass to, to suit the occasion, to suit the big day. Um, so I think a bottle of, of red and 
you know, for someone like Laney, I think a bottle of Rioja would, he, he'd enjoy that. He's a Rioja man, isn't he? And somebody also, also asked, because they said, you know, just in case it does go right for you on Tuesday night, I keep touching wood here as well, you know, and then you do go over the top on the rosé. Will you ask your butler to attend to the polo ponies on Wednesday morning, just in case? Absolutely. I've already um, earmarked it in, actually. Um, the hydrangeas need watering as well Wednesday morning, so I've, I've made sure that someone... Um, is looking after that in the mansion uh, just to make sure that, that everything's uh, prim and proper and, and a nice a nice gentle avocado on toast with maybe some sourdough bread actually uh, Wednesday morning in celebration back to s- serious stuff we talked about this a little bit a little bit <laughs> <laughs> we've got to the point now where no 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 but listen but we, we kind of we, we kind of touched on this does it mean more playing us in the playoff final than facing someone else absolutely 100% um, there's, there's, there's no doubt about it it's not and I said it earlier if this was Swansea uh, I actually just obviously you still want to win games you want to be back in, in, in the Premier League but honestly I think if it was Swansea and we lost the game I would be like that's annoying and a shame but as I said at the start I don't think this Fulham team's getting broken up I think they could do with another year to consolidate but because it's you like there's no chance you know I have no intention or no desire to anything but just absolutely steamroll this game Sammy? Yeah, I think that has been... uh, Jack's basically nailed my thoughts there. Lose against Swansea? Annoying. Um, Be upset to lose Mitro. I think it's guaranteed to go in the summer if we we don't go up. But also, it really wouldn't be the end of the world for this Fulham team. But I just... I can't have you texting me every five minutes just saying, I remember that playoff win, Sammy, um, for the rest of my life until eternity, almost etched into my brain, an image of Billy the Bee sending me some video from the globe, um, enjoying life way too much. So just to avoid that that WhatsApp conversation for the rest of my life. Um, like a joke, of course it's big against you guys, and it's a local derby who wouldn't want to win a game against their local rivals in a playoff final. Um, it'd be something for us all to cherish as well. Yes, Villa was really special, but remember the time we beat Brentford. It would go down in folklore. So, of course, that's why we want to win on Wednesday. And it, and it adds to the game so much more. And OK, so let's just pull it one step back. The game's not won yet. It's the final minute. Extra time has finished and it's gone to penalties. And it's the final kick of the penalties. What is the thoughts going through your head then? I think I'd be quite happy that moment that you haven't battered us 4-1 and that we've got to some kind of normality at that point. And I'd be like, well, you've us the penalties, lads. It doesn't really mean that much. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be flipping horrible. Um, who would you want in that situation, Jack? Who would, Under the ultimate pressure on, from a Fulham perspective, would you want taking a penalty? I'd like to think something like... The composure of Harrison Reed or something might be one that, that you want in that situation. Obviously, Mitro would be the obvious answer, but his penalty record's not that great, is it? I'd actually give it to a Bubakar Kamara. No. You just give it to a lunatic at that point. What you need in the fifth penalty of a shootout is a lunatic. Like, you need someone that just doesn't think like a normal person. And I know for a fact that Bubakar Kamara does not think like a normal person. <laughs> the man's an absolute lunatic. I'd give it to him. His penalty record's not bad, to be fair. Who, um, who, ta- who takes the key penalty for Brentford? Fifth penalty. And, and ignore what's gone before. Who do you trust your life on to, um, to stick it in the back of the net under that pressure? I mean, should I say, was it Saeed? Should I say Saeed Benrama? Yeah, would I put for Josh, uh, Josh De Silva? Bonted, uh, no, I'd, I'd probably go for Josh, actually. I'd probably go for Josh De Silva, you know. 
Side or Josh, maybe for me. But you know, hopefully he won't come to that. That would be so much for me. I'll tell you what's really bizarre. We're sitting here and we've got Wembley behind us and they're playing the, 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 the is it the conference final? Yeah. yeah. Notts County versus Harrogate. It's know. actually happening here right now as we're chatting away and it's really bizarre. And, you, and I've only just noticed because the scores are coming. I think Harrogate are winning 2 1. Okay, yeah, so the town are winning 2 1. We're here. I might pop up there to go and see. This is just so weird. Just thinking about Tuesday night. We're not doing score predictions because we just can't be doing that nonsense. Because at the end of the day, we both want our teams to win. You know, just final thoughts of going in on Tuesday. Um, where are you watching it? How are you going to enjoy it? And uh, how are you going to how are you going to turn us over? Well, I've actually got the boathouse um, all secured for the game. Um, just got some um, some hors d'oeuvres sorted for the um, for the first part of the game, and uh, yeah, a couple of just uh, special bottles from the cellar brought up. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, we're, I think I'm going to go to the Duke of Cornwall in Hammersmith uh, to watch it with a few of the Fulhamish lads, and it's it's not the same, is it? And I was there on Thursday for the Cardiff game as well, and it's not quite the same, but at least. At least when we score, there's a few other people cheering the same as well. And um, it's, it's a nice pub in there. You can get a drink nice and easy. So that's, I think, where I'll be heading. And just fingers crossed, Bill. It, at the end of the day, it will be horrible if we lose, but it's going to be an amazing game. And, it, and it's taken our mind off the weirdness that we're facing right now. And it has been an oasis of, of real loveliness to actually have something to really cheer on during these times. And... I'm glad my team isn't mid-table at the moment. I'm glad that actually there's something to fight for and something to play for and something to take our minds off what's happening in this country. It's been awful and it's been really, really hard mentally for everyone to kind of get our heads around the situation. So, you know, thank God for football to actually add a little sense of normality to the situation. And we're in a fortunate position as podcasters to be able to chat about it with our mates on a regular basis. And I'm actually just grateful for that, that Fulham have reached this final and it's a big occasion and... Fingers crossed we batter you, Bill. Uh, I, I'm probably going to watch it at home, Bill, as you know very well, and, and some of your listeners will know, uh, the, the West London derbies are, are a big family affair in, in my house because the uh, well, the, the family is split in, in, in loyalties in some ways. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching it with my, uh, my dad and my uncles and, and all that. So yeah, it's going to be a, a family affair in the Collins household. A uh, couple of beers, probably be sick with nerves and uh, and crack on. But um, I mean, something that we we talked about on, on in the reverse fixture, if you will, when you were on with us, is um is the atmosphere and and, and look, I, we haven't really got to it, but I think the fact that there's no well, there's no fans there is, is is a desperate shame more than anything else in the world. Like the fact that we're missing out on this occasion is a, is a very very sad affair. But I do think it it benefits you boys more because I think if there is that we've got the experience of being in a game like that whereas uh, without the fans there I think it it comes away from that and it becomes just more of a kind of game of tactical football which I actually think over the course of the season you've had our number on. Marmy's asking I mean that's very important but also have you secured an extra seat in the wine bar for your butler or will you have to pour your own champers? Uh, my butler's actually looking after my herb garden, so uh, you know, just in case we have a little bit too much of the bubbles that night and uh, can't look after the basil the next morning. <laughs> and also, just one final question: Are you nervous at the moment? Actually, not massively. Tuesday for Tuesday six forty-five when the lineups come out, absolutely yes. Um, 
maybe it's because we were in the playoff final two years ago. It can't. It, it feels like a weird normal to, to be in this situation. We've been there and done it before. So actually not bricking it like I feel like I maybe should be. Yeah, again, not yet. I, I will be. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, but before the Villa game... I was sick for like literally couldn't eat for a week. That, that, that's the point I was at. I think the fact that it's been like massively truncated and it's on a Tuesday night that also adds to this. Like you don't have the week build up where you're like, oh, I can't think about anything else for like five days straight. It has got to the point where you're like, oh, it's Tuesday night. It's really quick after the semi-finals, etc., etc., and that helps. I, I'm eternally grateful, and I honestly don't mean this in any sort of that dig that we've done this with fans and, and, and had this kind of game and environment when we've been to it and, and been through it and, and I'm, I will always be grateful uh, and I think that if this was our, our first time in, in this game I know you've been in many playoff finals I'm not you know, taken away from that but if this was you know, whichever way this goes I think we'll, always, we'll be grateful if we win it that we've had the experience as winning it as part of the, in the ground and all that and, and I think that that, that matters and, and is why potentially I don't feel as like sick with it as, as I maybe should do so question will you finally admit this is your cup final it's a cup final Bill it's a cup final will you finally admit it's your cup final it's a cup final Bill as I said <laughs> we've played in a cup final before we're playing a cup final again it's a big game but it's it's a cup final as much as it's our cup Listen, final. Listen, two media trade. It's our cup final as much as it's your cup final. I uh, see. I tell you, I love you guys. You still cannot admit that it's shifted. Finally, it's shifted, but you just can't admit it, which is fine by me. Tell you something, Fulham. I really hope you enjoy your cup final on Tuesday night. I fucking hope we do. But not too much. Listen, it's been great. I've got Savvy, I've got Jack from Fulhamish. I'm Billy the Bee here. And uh, it's been great. And hopefully we'll enjoy ourselves on Tuesday and we'll enjoy it even better. Come on, you whites. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Come Come on, on, you bees. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.